0: Can't you please tell me where to find him? And that life with a storybook end. Can't you please tell me where to find him? Maybe he's found in a fairy tale with those dreams of a better day. The Dreams of a Better Day podcast is not dead. It surely isn't. (laughs) This week, we watched the sequel to the subject of our episode, or of our fifth episode, God's Not Dead, and it is appropriately titled, God's Not Dead 2. Yeah. Is there a subtitle? I don't think there is. I think it's just God's Not Dead yeah. yeah. I think the the third one, I think, has a subtitle. I can't think of what it is, but God's Not Dead 2. we initially thought... That the sequ- it well, it wasn't going to be a true sequel. Right. That it was just, it was like sort of like a, I don't know, like an anthologized movie <laughs> series. Well, I
1: mean, with these types of movies, when you get a sequel, usually no one who did the first one wants to come
0: back. Exactly, but <laughs> this movie, yeah, everybody returned.
1: It's like except um, the one girl from the Muslim home, Aisha. What's mm-hmm. her name? She she didn't come back. I don't think. But, no. And Josh. Wheaton oh, yeah. wasn't in it, but he was mentioned. So.
0: Oh yeah, that is true. But uh, yeah, and so the people who returned, the youth pastor, yeah. and his friend from uh, they don't. He's from Africa. Do they ever specify what country he's from? Yeah, I don't think. I don't. I don't
1: think, I don't think so either. Uh,
0: Martin the the Chinese kid. Yeah, the Chinese student at in Josh Wheaton's class. Yeah. Who is sort of awakening to the Christian faith. The liberal blogger,
1: Amy, from the first movie. She's back.
0: Yeah. Her role in the movie was kind of disappointing. Yeah, she didn't really have one. It was kind of a... I felt like it was sort of a dead-end part, but we can get into that uh, later on. So the whole cast of characters returns for God's Not Dead 2, and... But we do have a new main character. Yes. And her name is Ben? Grace. Grace. I to down a, all of the names. I know. Stuff. <laughs> I mean, there's probably about a third of the movie through. 15, we caught ourselves. Fifteen episodes in, and we're finally keeping track of the movies we watched. And Grace is a public school teacher in... Cali- is it it's California thing? Because they talk about Stanford a lot. Yeah, probably. So I was... My assumption is that they sent the movie there. I mean, it's the most liberal state. Right. Right. And so... For what happens in the movie to happen, it's in maybe, perhaps the most feasible location, <laughs> and she is a born again Christian, and I'm trying to think. Well, the movie opens with uh, what's the what's the girl's the the student's name? name? No, Brooke. Brooke. Okay, Brooke I, is. I pre- can't believe you wouldn't remember a character's oh, name. I know. Walk me up. <laughs> And Brooke is just struggling with her parents putting a lot of pressure on her to get into Stanford University. Yeah,
1: and we see that um, her brother recently passed away.
0: Yes, and so she is struggling with that. And they never in the movie get into the parents struggling with this at all. Do they? That's not, no, it's not really relevant. Which is really strange. Like, yeah. I don't... Like, they bring in these these, like, this conflict... But it's never really... It's just used as, like, a... A, a vehicle for... Yeah, the, yeah, the but camp. they don't they don't use it to really show any of the characters struggling, particularly the parents. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's, like...
1: Yeah, I mean, the parents didn't even need to be in the movie. They could have just been, like, cardboard cutouts. Honestly, yeah. That's all they did in the movie. Anyway, um... Let's, let's start by talking about the actors in this movie or actresses. Mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, So Grace, the public school teacher, is played by Melissa yeah. Joan Hart, who is known for *Greene the Teenage Witch*. Yeah, and is that
0: it? Well, I I think she's on. She's in the other a, Yeah, but she. I think she's on another like. It's not ABC Family anymore. It's what Freeform. That's what the I channel's no called. But. They put out, like, I guess, sort of family-friendly content. Well, I,
1: if I remember correctly, there was recently a, a couple of months ago a news article about Melissa Joan Hart, how she's actually, like, a pretty devout Christian.
0: Oh, okay. Um, uh, I think she's on another one of those shows, though, on form. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, her... Sadie Robertson is in this movie, which... So, Tug Dynasty does make another appearance in this movie. Oh yeah! As does the Newsboys. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Because basically, like, I think the whoever wrote the the first movie planned to write a trilogy of these movies. Yeah. And the, so he the he God's Just Not Dead cinematic yeah. universe. So he made a blank outline, <laughs> printed out three of them, plugged in the first outline for the first movie, <laughs> and then. Took Uh, the second uh, Blake outline for this movie and filled it in in the exact same way. Yeah.
1: It is a very similar movie in a lot of ways to. Oh, and even um, the rental car agency guy who wanted to start a theater group. He returns too. Yeah. It it was really like a. uh, Bring back all of your characters to see where are they now? You know, yeah. It was kinda like a happy reunion. Yeah, life. like a reunion episode. That's the word I was trying to think of. Um, the so there's a lawyer in the movie who is one of the bad guys, played by mm-hmm. I forget his name, Ray Wise, I think his name is. Yeah. So he, he plays
0: He is always a bad guy. Yeah. He's a very sinister looking gentleman. Yeah. So he so plays the atheist uh,
1: lawyer. Leland Palmer in um, Twin Peaks. Oh, right, yeah. So, he, I don't know how he got this gig, but... I don't know. It's, I guess, I mean, Twin, it's not like Twin Peaks is huge. Right. It's kind of a cult classic. Um,
0: so I would imagine that for an actor, like, playing a lawyer, that's, I don't know, I, I feel like that would kind of be like a no-brainer kind of gig. Because it seems like it, it would be like sort of a fun part to play. Yeah,
1: especially if you're like a lawyer like this where you're just chewing the scenery. and you know, right. scenery. Yeah. Okay, I can ham yeah. it up a little bit. Yeah. Have some fun. I can see that. That makes sense. Um, so yeah, the, the, the basic plot here, uh, I guess we can just dive right in. Yeah,
0: so Grace, the public school teacher, is a Christian, and they establish... Her in the workplace with the other teachers is being very optimistic. They have a scene with her in the teacher's lounge where they're like... Yeah, I don't know. remember what happens in that scene. I remember it happening, though. I just remember they're talking about the students. This one teacher is a month away from retirement. And it's, it's basically they're talking about the students and they're complaining about the students. But Grace is just like, I love all my students. And smiles, and then they're all ribbing her for how she's always optimistic about everything. So, um,
1: as, a, as a, uh, a school teacher, do you love all of your students?
0: Uh, of course, I do. I don't know. Why, why would you ask that? We're on the air, Ben.
1: <laughs> all right. So, she, yeah, she's a very optimistic person because she's Christian. And,
0: you know, and, uh, like, she is, a, I think, a good teacher. I mean, I think teaching attracts all kinds of people, like some people treat it as, especially in the public schools, there are, there's always the contingent that sort of treat it as just like they're, you know, government employees, like they're kind of just mm. waiting for their pension. And then there's other teachers, though, that I they do genuinely yeah. care about all of the students. Yeah. And um, so she presented as a good teacher and... We see that her co-workers are aware that she's a well, it's not explicitly stated that she's a Christian, but they're aware that she has some kind of faith positive energy about her. Yeah, yeah. That's what you want to say. Um,
1: yeah. So does it does the classroom scene happen first, or does the scene where she sees Brooke like kind of depressed.
0: There's three scenes that kind of set up the story. The first one, the class is playing a review game and Brooke That's is right. visibly upset when she's leaving the class and so the teacher asks her, how are you doing? Whatever. And Brooke is sort of skittish. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she knows what coffee shop that, the, that Grace goes to and so she shows up at the coffee shop and they have uh, a conversation about well, she's talk- Brooke is talking about how her brother died, and she's struggling, and mm-hmm. she asks... And she talks about how she feels a lot of pressure about college mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And then Grace, she asks... I think she asks Grace, like, how do you handle pressure yeah, or something? Yeah, how, how do
1: you... Um,
0: nothing ever gets to you. You're, you're always holding everything, like, holding it all together. Yeah. And how do you do that? Grace answers Jesus. And yeah, this sets up the third scene where Grace is teaching a lesson about Martin Luther King... And I can't you, just talking about his nonviolent approach, what was yeah, the quote? They were talking from?
1: about Gandhi and non-violence and uh, before we get to that, I just wanted to mention, because we talked about it with Mom's Night Out being such a stellar example of this, and I'm saying that unironically, <laughs> uh, this same exact question that the girl asks the teacher about, you know, how do you hold it all together, that's the same question that uh, April from Grey's Anatomy asks Deb yeah. from Everybody Loves Raymond in Mom's Night Out. And in that movie, she's like, that's, you know, that's ridiculous. I'm not holding it all together. You know, there's, i got, you know, that's just a fantasy world. Uh, in this movie, they do exactly what I always complain about, which is she's just like, oh, well, Jesus makes it my life yeah. perfect. So.
0: But and that's the extent of her answer. Yeah. yeah. That just, but I think, as the movie
1: goes on, we 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 see that you know she, her life's not perfect. So mm-hmm. maybe maybe I'll give him a little leeway. Yeah, but it, you, from you, bone. you said last night uh, that it's it's ridiculous that Mom's Night Out has become our gold standard for, <laughs> I know, but good <laughs> theology. Yeah, <laughs> there it is. Yeah. So then they're they're talking about uh, Gandhi. So, this is the classroom scene that comes after. They're mm-hmm. talking about Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr. and nonviolent resistance. And uh, the teacher said, uh, um, What makes uh, Gandhi's nonviolent approach so radical is his commitment to nonviolence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it was a funny line because it's, it's so you pointless. Uh,
0: like, yeah, that's what nonviolence uh, means. That's what,
1: the definition of nonviolence
0: is that it's nonviolent. So is so we talked about this line a little bit too and cause I I had said while we were watching it, like, you know, sometimes when you're teaching you're just kinda <laughs> you're you're just kinda free flowing in your thoughts, spitballing <laughs> and then you sort of you say things like that, and you know usually at the moment after in my head I'm just hating myself for saying <laughs> things like that. But we could say that God's Not Dead Two offers the most realistic portrayal of being a teacher because most movies about teachers are usually just like yeah it's, it's usually go.
1: like one scene where the teacher asks this insightful question yep. and like one student raises his hand in the back. And he makes this really insightful commentary. And then the bell rings. Yeah, that's the end of the scene. Right, yeah. <laughs> but this,
0: she just, you know... <laughs> she's she's trying to end the class and get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, so, she says this um, quote about nonviolence being impressive because of nonviolence. And... Then Brooke asks a question about Martin Luther King and Jesus. Do you remember what the exact question was? Well, yeah. So
1: earlier on, she found her brother's Bible. And so she had been reading the Bible. Oh, yeah,
0: because her parents are... There's a lot of... Their grieving process, man. They're not even addressing it. They donate all of her brother's stuff to the <laughs> Salvation Army, and the Salvation Army comes to their house, and they're just, picking stuff up, yeah. and then while she's sitting in the empty room...
1: On the bare mattress
0: that's yeah. left in the room. And it's a small bed, so I, is the assumption that her brother was young? I'm not it's sure. It's weird, because he has, like, a marked-up Bible yeah. that this Salvation Army worker brings to Brooke and says, I found this in your brother's stuff. I if think I'm, it was just, like, a double mattress. Like, maybe it really it might have been the angle. Yeah. Able. Um... And this worker gives her the Bible and says, I thought you might want to have this. It was your brother's. And Brooke starts to read it. And then we come to this classroom scene about uh, nonviolent, nonviolence. And Brooke asks... Yeah, she just asks, well, isn't that sort of like the teachings of Jesus? Yeah.
1: Like, it was a really basic question. Yeah. Which just, like, she was trying to impress the teacher. Oh, I know something about nonviolence.
0: Yeah, and Grace answers the question... Well, she she brings up the Bible, yeah. the which, and I think addresses those like Martin Luther King's foundational
1: mm-hmm. texts, and then she quotes something from the uh, Sermon on the Mount about you know uh, loving your enemies and things like that. So, basic, you know, here is a nonviolent tradition in yeah. you know, Western thought yeah. you know, that has come about and been influential, just like Gandhi has been influential.
0: Yes, I mean, it was a real. This is, I guess, the this is the inciting moment of the. Yeah. Of the main plot of the movie. It's, I mean, it's not controversial. No, not at all. And we even, we both looked through, uh, like, groundbreaking, like, religious freedom court cases. <laughs> yeah. None of them... Yeah, this was like... That a... we could find were about, like, just a teacher... A st- sort of making... It's not even an offhanded comment. It was it was like a well-researched comment about why MLK believed some yeah. of the things that he did. Yeah. It was... Like, and that a student in class immediately, like, <laughs> pulls out his phone and starts texting. It's <laughs> ridiculous because they've established her as a good teacher. Yeah. She seems to have good rapport with her students as well. Like, I do not believe for a second that... Yeah, that, I don't
1: think that this would have been controversial at all. In real and
0: life. if... Like, if a student did actually do that, they needed to have established some kind of antagonistic relationship. Mm. But they didn't do that. They just, like, this atheist student pulls out his phone. Well, he is an atheist. Yes, okay. That is true. Uh, But yeah, so the, the
1: whole premise of the movie really stinks because she's answering a historical question about a historical figure and how... That historical figure, that historical figure's influence on thought regarding, um, you know, resistance and nonviolence influenced another historical figure who they were talking about in the class. So she doesn't bring up like religion. She doesn't bring up, you know, you should believe in Jesus. She doesn't like give a gospel message. She just mentions Jesus had a tradition of, you know, loving your enemies. And that was one of the major influences on Martin Luther King Jr., which is true. Even if, you know, even assuming the atheists are right and, you know, Jesus doesn't exist, I think was their argument or something. Even assuming that's right, Martin Luther King Jr. was still influenced by this traditional thought. So her answer was still true. So it's a really non-controversial thing. But this
0: sparks
1: outrage.
0: Like total (laughs) irrational outrage. The principle. Pulls Grace. Well, the, the whole thing's weird. Okay, so they pull Grace into this meeting with everybody, <laughs> and they have their lawyer there already too. Yeah, like there's no, there's no chain of the disciplinary action. <laughs> it's just like yeah. instead of the principal talking, saying, you know, hey maybe, you know, tone it down a little bit, which I don't think would even be the case, because, th- like... Yeah, so let's say that even
1: did happen, though. Mm. If this is... It seems as though this is her first offense. I feel like the principal would be like, hey, you, you gotta chill with the Jesus stuff. Assuming that they would even have a problem with it, which I don't think they would. But assuming that they would have a problem with it, the principal would probably be like, hey, you need to chill with the Jesus stuff. And I would... I imagine... You know, like a, a verbal warning would be your first offense. Off- I don't yeah. know how it works in schools, but I would assume like a verbal warning would be your first.
0: Yeah, and she's been teaching there for years. <laughs> like this is would seem to be her very first infraction ever. Yeah, yeah. And this, all these atheist coworkers just turn on yeah, her immediately. Like everybody turns. The, on her the old, the teachers on the verge of retirement is also the uh, union like the workplace union representative oh, yeah, 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 yeah. i don't know the chapter president or I, i'm not exactly sure i'm not exactly sure how teachers union teacher unions work but she's at the meeting the like union lawyer mm-hmm. is at the meeting the principals at the meeting like if the whole board is at the meeting shouldn't the union lawyer be representing grace I, didn't the union pay for her lawyer that she ends up... Oh, maybe they did. I yeah, think that Yeah, because they, yeah, 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 yeah. they offered her that that's option. Right, that's right.
1: So... <sighs> yeah, so they basically tell her um, that they're going to be doing some disciplinary hearing and that it's possible she's going to be in trouble. And they give her a choice at the beginning before she even meets her lawyer, right? Yeah. Or do they just say... I
0: they give her some kind of ultimatum, like... Yeah, I
1: can't remember. Oh, I think they tell her that she has to apologize.
0: Oh, yeah. And then. And then she's like, well, I can't do
1: that. mm -hmm. Which, I mean, honestly, she shouldn't have been asked to apologize because it wasn't like she did anything wrong. Um, But then they're like, okay, well, you're going to be suspended without pay until the ACLU gets involved and we're going to abide by whatever the ACLU's uh, decision is with. Like they're gonna, you're gonna be sued by the ACLU, and we'll provide yeah. you a lawyer, and whatever the whatever that court case decides, that's the school will go by that. Yeah. And so that sort of sets up the rest of the movie.
0: Yeah. Um. And so the Brooks parents are so upset about this. Yeah. So and th- what's so crazy is that their motivation. We so they meet with this the ACLU uh, lawyer. Yeah, and he's this just evil atheist man and they meet with him and their motivation is a college like Stanford you know those atheist colleges (laughs) they would love they would love to have a student who (laughs) took on big religion (laughs) (laughs) takes on big religion and wins a court case although I feel like that's
1: probably true if you think about I don't want to get into politics too much but if you think about like certain young people who have uh become popular because of things that have happened. Um, I'm thinking of one person in specific, but I don't really wanna get into it, but he got accepted into a college probably primarily because he got famous because of the things that happened. Yeah. Um so there there's probably some truth to the fact that colleges like to have those sorts of names connected to their institution. Um so maybe there's some truth to that, but the fact that the parents are like, "All
0: right, this is a good idea," yes. <laughs> these might these parents might be worse than the parents in Flywheel. So remember, in Flywheel, they're just like arguing about every problem they have in front of their kid. In this, like, at least they yeah they
1: care.
0: acknowledge their child though in that movie. This, like, they. Do they even talk
1: to their kid in the movie? Just the about
0: Stanford. Yeah. Like, what's so weird throughout the whole case and all that? They never show conversations between, like, <laughs> the, the the the. How tense is this household? Can you imagine? Like, they don't talk to each other about anything. Oh and man! They oh, that's it's a whole subplot that they totally they set it up. Yeah. And then they ignore it the rest of the movie. Yeah. They, like, they just these these evil atheist parents I want f- the best for their daughter but they do they don't talk to her I feel like if if I remember correctly
1: I could be missing something but the only lines of dialogue that the parents and the kids have together are the mom bothering the kid about just getting into Stanford at the beginning of the movie and then at the near the end of the movie, Yelling at her because of what happens in the courtroom. isn't. Are those the only two times they actually speak to each other? I think so. Yeah. So, anyway, there are a lot of subplots, though. So, sure. it's, yeah. you know, you can't... You gotta, you gotta throw out some pages of the script. Yeah. <laughs> I, although I feel like one of the main characters' relationship with her parents when her brother died may have been one of the, <laughs> the subplots
0: you wanted yeah. to leave in. Uh, so... The lawyer that Grace gets is this young hotshot who's trying to make a name for himself. Yeah. I when
1: I first saw him on screen, I thought for a moment that it was um, I can't think of his actual name, but Uncle Jesse John Stamos. Yeah, John Stamos. Yeah. He kind of looks like a he does. Like, John Stamos yeah. kind of wannabe. Yeah, he's a he's a John Stamos impersonator. <laughs>
0: That's probably where they found him for the movie. <laughs> he's out on Hollywood Boulevard doing, doing scenes selling picture yeah, right. <laughs> or mining <mean> <laughs> Uh
1: So anyway, yeah, they hire him and he's like, "Well, I'm not a Christian," uh, but she she's like, "So you know why would I want you to support me?" And he's like, "Well, I think that's better because if I'm not a believer, it makes it you know seem more biased, yeah. and also I don't like to lose." Yeah. Which, I mean, if I'm hiring a lawyer, not liking to lose would be the number one thing. Right, yeah. Like, I scroll on the website, I dislike losing, would be the thing I'd be looking for on that lawyer's website. Yeah. You don't want the lawyer who
0: likes to. (laughs) Oh, we should mention, too, the whole thing with having her brother's Bible, they, her family doesn't have it any idea, it's, it's, it's established that they don't really have any idea that he was a Christian, really. Yeah. Because we were talking about it and it's like, where did they think he was going every Sunday morning? Like, they think he was doing drugs every <laughs> Sunday morning or something. Like, it, he disappears for two hours, maybe really like, 10 to 12 every Sunday morning. In a suit in the <laughs> yeah, Right. <laughs> and then, I don't know. It's, yeah, I'm not sure. It's, somebody, it's never mentioned a lot of things aren't like they set up these yeah these pretty wild subplots and they they give no context whatsoever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the Uncle Jesse is hired as uh Grace or Grace hires Uncle Jesse to be your lawyer. Yeah. And did I write down his name?
1: I don't think I did.
0: <laughs> well, you well, you said when he uh I'm trying to think, what, I have written down, Zombie Kevin Sorbo was this the? Oh, this was the the. Uh, <laughs> in the scene
1: where she's brought into the school board to, or whatever that is. Oh yeah, the, yeah. The like guy who's representing. I think it might be the school's lawyer. Yeah. He looks like Kevin Sorbo, the evil teacher <laughs> Mr. Radisson yeah. from the first God's Not Dead. Has been reanimated as a corpse and now works for this school. Like, Atheists
0: using their voodoo
1: tricks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to be impolite to the actor playing. Oh, yeah, right. But he, he, did looked,
0: he, he did a good job. He did a good
1: job. He looked like Kevin Silverbow reanimated after <laughs> having <laughs> died. So I, I thought maybe they were bringing back another character. And um,
0: if he's, if, uh, I just love the way this movie represents lawyers. Like the way that, so and when they're when the parents are meeting with the the evil atheist lawyer, yeah. he says like the last line of their their scene is he's like and we're gonna prove once and for all that God is dead. It's like that's not what the the case is about yeah, I at all. That's not what the case is about. Once. Again, it's this <laughs> relentless. Irrational devotion to just bringing things down to the ground. Yeah, <laughs> it was just it was that way in the first movie as well. Because, because in the I guess in the the first movie, the group of people that were treated this way were the professors, the evil atheists. Yeah, the evil academics. academics. Yeah, and, and now then, it's the lawyers. Now it's the lawyers, and he explicitly states that I guess the reason he's doing this is to prove that God is dead. Which is absurd. It's... Yeah. I mean,
1: I'm not I'm not defending the movie. There are people out there who have irrational hatred of religion. But if you're a, a well-known lawyer and you're good at what you do, you're going to recognize that that's not what this case is right. about. Right. That's irrelevant, this case. Which, this comes up over and over again, especially during the arguments being made in court. Yeah. None of their arguments
0: are relevant. The The court case, like, the arguments, it's a rabbit trail. <laughs> like, every day they bring up something new instead of sticking to the topic at hand. But th- then there's a scene where the uh, Uncle Jesse meets with the uh, evil atheist lawyer when he's getting his shoes shined. Oh, yeah. And th- the guy says some, like, some weird things about... And then he he I think what he says to the Uncle Jesse is that like we if you you know you win or something, people are gonna hate you. Do you remember this? I don't. <laughs> he says, he's like, and we're not talking about fairy tale hate. Oh yeah. <laughs> what is fairy tale hate? I do not know what that means. Because like if it was love, like fairy tale love. Yeah, that, I understand. <laughs> like that's usually what fairy tales are associated with. Unless he's all I, I don't know. Have you ever read like the original fairy tales? Oh, some of them are they're gr- maybe up. that those are the only versions he's read. That's that's why he's all messed up. Those are the stories that his parents read when he was <laughs> yeah. a little kid. The, the,
1: the true versions of all the stories. <laughs> yeah, like where well anyway yeah. yeah yeah maybe that's why he's so angry all the time. But yeah, so he. Um, basically accuses uh, the lawyer, Uncle Jesse, of being, like, working below his station. He's like, you could have been so much better than this, yeah. but you chose to take this stupid case and I'm going to destroy you. And he's like, no, sh- no shoes. Because <laughs> Uncle Jesse has, like, scuffed up brown shoes. Which, that's important.
0: And the... As this case, most of this movie is in the courtroom. Yes. There's a lot of... I was surprised at how many... I thought it was going to be this... Like, when all these subplots are introduced in the beginning, it was going to be this long build-up, and then, like, a 15 to 20-minute series of, like, the court montage at the end. Yeah. Instead, it's... It's. I think a half half hour into the
1: movie, the court case starts. Yeah, and And it's relentless. This movie is two hours long, so lock in. Because you're gonna be we here were, for a while.
0: I remember we turned. First of all, we rented it. We spent money on this movie, and In the high definition. this is this is, yeah a high de- the high definition rental. Which sidebar, we need to talk about Amazon
1: and their terrible uh, copies of these movies. Yeah. Because the like the bottom two inches and the bottom. Or top two inches of the film were just cut off.
0: Yeah, so I, Ben and I are totally unsure as to what all the actors' foreheads look like throughout <laughs> the entire movie. But they, they, they that app is always yeah. me. At
1: first, I was questionable of whether it was a problem with Amazon or the movie. Just like whoever shot it had really bad concept of framing, because like everybody's foreheads in the first few scenes were just cut off. Uh, but we yeah. we eventually realized it was probably Amazon because like words on the screen were also cut off. So
0: Yeah, we also There are scenes where someone speaks Martin, Chinese are Chinese. Yeah, Chinese? Martin from the first movie. He he has a conversation with his dad, which we'll Yeah, we'll get to that. But actually, actually we only maybe we can because we're gonna spend a lot of time in these court cases. Yeah. Okay, Let's well. just say, so Martin from the first movie is becoming a Christian. He's been coming to the youth pastor's church yeah. and asking a lot of questions, and he eventually he becomes a Christian. Well, he became a Christian in the first movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and now he's, he's just now in he's his learning about yeah it. his season of searching, I guess, mm-hmm. and he and he talks to his dad a little bit about this in the first movie about all this stuff that's going on in the uh, old man Radisson's class <laughs> and um, his dad doesn't like it. But then in the movie, after Martin's been asking questions and becoming more uh, involved with his faith, his dad just shows up at his dorm. To take and him back. Yeah, they have a conversation in Chinese, which, unfortunately, the <laughs> subtitles were cut off by Amazon. <laughs> we only saw the top half of the cover. Yeah, we pre- no, we pretty much just saw this conversation in Chinese. And then the we, the last subtitle we saw, it was, You Are No Longer My Son. Yeah. And his father disowns him and walks away. Yeah, And so Martin Martin's subplot, I think, is my... Yeah, i like liked. It's Martin's been the most theory. consistent in these two movies, yeah. and it's realistic. Yeah, like it's just kind of a cool story. Chinese student comes to American, a secular American university, and mm-hmm. he's like assimilating into American culture. And through the becomes like Christian through like the uh, like a, a evil atheist professor just wants to own this Christian freshman, but because of that, Martin becomes a Christian. Mm-hmm. It's so it's like. Uh, it's the most compelling subplot of the whole movie.
1: Yeah, of the first two movies.
0: Yeah. And hopefully he's in the third one as well. Yeah. So Martin's dis- disowned by his
1: father. Yeah. And so he... Yeah, let's let's cover the subplots before we get to the court case. Yeah. Do, do it like and we did the first movie. Yeah,
0: and so Martin decides then that he's going to become a pastor and go back to China. Yeah. And start ministering to the people there. And in, in
1: between that, because that's like the final scene, is him deciding he's going to become a pastor and go back to China. He, after his dad disowns him, he shows up at the church because he's like really struggling with this and he thinks he's there alone. But in fact, Brooke, who is not a Christian at the beginning of the movie. This is the student who asked the question about Jesus, whose brother is dead. She has been struggling with faith and things like that because of her brother's Bible. And she's at the church. And I actually liked this scene uh, because of the role reversal. So Martin's there waiting to, you know, hoping the pastor would be there or someone he could talk to. And Brooke ends up being there. And I think because she sees him there at the church, she thinks that he's, like, uh yeah. someone who knows what they're talking about. So now she's coming to him with questions about Christianity, which is what he was doing at the beginning of the movie. So yeah. I kind of liked that. Like, you're, you're showing Martin's growth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if it's like I said the most consistent even writing wise it's a consistent yeah so yeah so then Brooke
1: throughout the movie up up to the court case becomes a believer as well because of um, you know the influence of her brother and the Bible she's been reading and also Martin answering these questions we should also mention another subplot is David the pastor from the first movie is in this movie, and he there's a couple of different things he's dealing with. One of which is I guess just answering Martin's questions, mm-hmm. like going through all of that. Then he ends up on the jury of yeah. the court case. But there's also another subplot with him and a couple of the other pastors from the neighborhood, I guess, or from the surrounding area, where they are required by some local government official... They're subpoenaed. Yeah, to turn in copies of their sermons, which uh, I, I'm i fairly certain something like that actually happened
0: in real life. I think
1: so. I'd have to look up the exact details. Uh, well, there's I'm, been I'm, a lot
0: of stuff about, the, like, the last few years about... Yeah. Like, uh... The, like, like pastors being required not to be, like, mandated reporters and... Yeah even i guess very, pretty recently things like confession weren't even protected oh really i think so i think so i don't don't quote me on that cuz i don't want to yeah
1: but anyway the idea is that they're required to turn in their sermons and i think that the the idea behind it is, you know, we don't want hate preachers out there, so you need to turn in your sermons so yeah. we can review them and make sure you're not preaching hate. Mm-hmm. I think what the idea is. I don't think it's ever explicitly said, yeah. but that's sort of the concept. So the pastors meet together, and they're like, you know, we're being subpoenaed, and David is like, you know, this is just going to keep getting worse, and... Um, You know, he he said something along the lines of resistance today is persecution tomorrow or something Mm -hmm. like that. And so he refuses to turn in his sermons. But I don't think they ever do anything with that. No, because he goes
0: to that office, right?
1: And the guy... The guy's like, yeah, you've heard the saying that the squeak wheel gets the oil. Well, I say that the the nail that's uh, sticking up gets hammered down. (laughs) Essentially threatening the pastor. Yeah. But I can't, they, they, they but don't they do ever do anything with it. that after that. That's just where it ends. Maybe in maybe. God's Not Dead 3, the, oh, that plot maybe, will come to yeah. the conclusion.
0: I was going to say, like, they vomited a lot of issues into this. Like, the, like, are those all the subplots? Yeah, I think. I think. Oh, no, the um, Amy, the vlogger. Oh, yeah, so the liberal blogger from the first movie, remember she was diagnosed with cancer, and then she's... I
1: actually liked herself a lot in this movie, too. Uh, her and Martin were great, because um, we are losing our minds. <laughs> we're being super positive about these movies. <laughs> uh, I think it's just because we had two duds beforehand, and we're just happy to have a coherent story. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Amy... So she finds out that she's been cured of cancer... Which, at first, I was like, oh, this is the same old thing. You know, she found Jesus at the end of the first movie, and now all of her problems are being fixed. But they didn't go that route with it. They, like, so her, her, she's cured of cancer, and now she's like, well, did I just accept Jesus because I wanted to get something from him? Mm-hmm. And so now she's, like, questioning her faith and the authenticity of it. And, you know, whether she actually believes or whether she was just using Jesus as a crutch because she had cancer— and so I thought that was like they didn't do a whole
0: lot, was it? right? It's yeah. a very small subplot, but just introducing that idea was positive. Yeah, for sure. And she ends up being, she gets
1: interviewed. Yeah. So she finds she finds out about the court case because Brooke at one point wants to support the teacher who's being um, sued, and so she like stands uh, on the sidewalk of her school with duct tape over her mouth and a sign about um free speech or something like that. Or maybe it's specifically about God. But essentially she's protesting the fact that the teacher wasn't allowed to talk about her beliefs, which she wasn't even doing to begin with. But, um, so Amy sees this video so she starts covering it on in the news and things like that about how this teacher's being harassed, essentially for her beliefs, which isn't what's happening. But so that, that's Amy's subplot. She sort of gets involved in that way and is raising awareness of the story, I think, is really what she's there for. Yeah. So that, I think that's all of the subplots, then. I think, yeah.
0: Let's dive into these. <laughs> I get, Brooke? No, we covered because. How does she know the reporter? Because she has her number in her phone. The reporter gets in touch oh, okay. with her.
1: I think because she saw the videos.
0: Oh, okay. Gotcha. I believe. I can't remember. Or
1: it could be that, what's her name, um, Robertson, somehow has a connection between the two of them.
0: Oh, uh, okay. Because of the
1: newsboys and.
0: Yeah. Um, Dark Dynasty is a powerful organization. Yeah,
1: that's true. So I think that brings us to the court, right? Yeah,
0: because that's the bulk of the movie are these courtroom yeah. scenes. And we and- start with jury selection. Yeah, and basically Evil Atheist Lawyer is objecting to every potential jury member who has any kind of affiliation with yeah. any faith-based organization. So, like, so people involved with, like, nonprofits or people who go to church. Mm-hmm. And the last jury member is the... What's it, David? Is that the youth pastor's name? Yeah. Yeah, they come to David and...
1: I don't, I don't think called,
0: why do I keep calling him a youth pastor. I don't think he's he looks like it though. He has like the bleached hair and I don't know, <laughs> I think because That's funny, did. I've been assuming he's a youth
1: pastor the whole time. In the first movie we assumed that because I think one because they wanted to go to Disney World. Okay. And two, because of the bleached hair, he looked like a youth pastor, and we just made a yeah, something.
0: <laughs> and so, um the 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 Pastor David is being selected for jury due they object to him but the evil atheist lawyer they used all of their objections is out of yeah. his objections and so David is able to remain on the jury yeah so I, I want to talk about
1: some of the questions they asked the potential jury oh yeah because there were some good ones one was like what's your favorite TV show and the guy's like uh, Duck Dynasty and the evil atheist is like nope you're out <laughs> Which, to be fair, if your favorite TV show is Duck Dynasty, you know, no matter what the court case, I might have checked. (laughs) What was the other person's favorite TV show? Oh, man. It it, It was something really, like, generic. Or was it a book? Man, it was a good. It was was funny. I cannot
0: remember what it was.
1: Uh, Yeah. Anyway, it was something really. Like, generic and non-offensive or obtrusive or anything like that. It was just something really silly. And the the evil atheist lawyer is just like, nope, you're out.
0: Um, I, man.
1: And they... I, is that how jury selection is? I know that you can, like, both the defense and the prosecution oh, okay. can be like... They have the ability... I don't know if it works exactly like it did in this movie, but they have the ability to... Remove certain jurors because there's an obvious bias. Yeah. like a pastor on this jury might be biased, but I mean, in reality, everybody's biased in every you know. Yeah, thing. right. But they try to get they try to get rid of the obvious. Like you know, this person, no matter what the evidence shows, is going to rule one way or the other. Right. So, the one of the other jurors that they kick off. They kick him off specifically because he's in the military.
0: Oh yeah! Oh, th- th- this is this is what makes this movie like the first God's on Death like a evangelical pop culture masterpiece <laughs> because of like the the patriotism associated with like the ev- American evangelicism. I mm-hmm. think it's like, like I said, they're vomiting all these issues <laughs> into the so it, like, they I think they're like I guess the people that this movie was made for. Like they consider that an attack on their faith that they yeah. would want to kick a veteran off of right. the jury.
1: Right. I think you're right about that. Yeah. Because um, if you think about it, most of the issues in this movie, it's it's like it's almost like this movie is the prequel to Left Behind, where there's all of these um, like the the one world government antichrist is setting up his system. Mm-hmm. Unite. Um, yeah, unite. <laughs> So you've got preachers being required to turn in their Mm -hmm. sermons. You've got, uh, this teacher being attacked for mentioning Jesus in a public school. And you've got the evil atheist lawyer who is shutting down, you know, people in the military, which, you know, for whatever reason that's relevant. Yeah. But it's almost as though they're setting up all of these issues for like what's coming in the future, which I mean, I think Western culture is becoming, Increasingly and increasingly anti-Christian, mm-hmm. but uh, so there, there's some truth to that. Mm-hmm. But because it's so blatant in this movie, it feels really uh, forced. Yeah, like they're just throwing in issue after issue. Yeah,
0: and this is what happens all throughout the trial: is they nobody can make up their mind what it is the court case is about. Yeah. So specifically in
1: this court case, the question is. Over whether, by mentioning the nonviolent tradition of Jesus, is Grace the teacher um, violating the separation of church and state? Essentially, yeah. that's that's the question of the case. Those are not the things that are argued in this
0: case. No, no because like I said, vomiting issues. One of the fir- I remember one of the first. Oh, one funny moment was when somebody on the jury sneezed. And David, during the court the courtroom scene about like basically <laughs> b- like religion in public spaces, looks back at the guy and says, God bless you. Yeah. And and Uncle Jesse, the lawyer, is like, Oh, be careful, oh. you might be on trial next. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so the I remember when the when the principal takes the witness stand, the Uncle Jesse is like talking about the diversity and tolerance policies in the school, like, and these are things that I, I think a lot of a lot of like right wing Christians are pretty up in arms about right now about yeah. those words, what they mean, and, and like I said, like, nobody can make up their mind what anybody's fighting against.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, there's also. Like one of the, that argument and one of the other big arguments made in, in the beginning of the case, like the, I guess the opening arguments is that the establishment clause in the constitution never mentions separation of church and state. Yeah. And in fact, separation of church and state was written by, I think, Thomas Jefferson yeah. in one of the federalist papers where he's like, you know, there's always going to be this wall to prevent the government from yeah. telling you who or how you can worship. That is. Not how law works. I'm not a lawyer. I never went to law school. I like to think I'm an educated person, though. No, I went to college. You know, I mean, we're, grad school. We have liberal arts degrees yeah. and we're in
0: grad school. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the way law works is you'll take, you know, like the establishment clause and then precedent is established based on, you know, court cases and things like that. Here's how this law has been interpreted. Yeah. So, the Establishment Clause, whether or not it actually says separation of church and state in the Constitution, there's been a precedent set that this statement in the Constitution sets up a particular precedent about how you deal with church and state, and that precedent has been, you know, Mm -hmm. followed pretty closely throughout the history of jurisprudence. So, at this point, there's no argument over whether the Establishment Clause means separation of church and state. Like, the law tradition says that's what it means. Now, you might think that's wrong, fine, but a lawyer isn't going to make that case in this case. Like, that's something that's going to be accepted, pretty much. Like, you're not going to be like, well, like, it's like, um, have you ever seen the movie uh, The Majestic with, um, Mm -hmm. what's his name, Funny Guy, uh, The Mask. um, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey, thank you. He he plays a guy during communist America, and he lost his memory. But one of the things he did before he lost his memory was he went to like a communist meeting because I think he was like there was a cute girl there and he wanted you know, uh, get to know her better. And in the like the climax scene, there's a court case in that movie, and he comes in with a constitution and just reads from the Constitution, has like, his big argument for closing his case, and then he walks out of the courtroom. That's not how it works. Yeah. Like, there's a tr- We have a legal tradition in the United States of America. You can't just read the Constitution. You have to look at how the Constitution's been interpreted throughout time. This is a long rabbit trail just to say that Uncle Jesse the lawyer is either a really bad lawyer or just doesn't understand how the legal system works. Right. I guess I would make him a really bad lawyer. Yeah. He yeah. doesn't understand yeah. how the legal yeah. system works.
0: And again the whole, like it, basically his line of questioning is don't you think it's interesting that you have this diversity and tolerance policy and yet you refuse to tolerate this statement of faith That's in the a, classroom a classic argument it's gotcha it's yeah. it's just like the first movie too all these questions are gotcha questions and the what is infuriating is when the principal's on the witness stand, she's, like, leering at Grace. Like, it's so ridiculous that everybody would turn on Grace just like that. It, especially, like, in a school, like, you know, like, it's established that the co like, the co-workers have a pretty healthy working yeah, relationship. It seems like it has your, and it, Grace it, is a good teacher, because this is her first infraction in, yeah, I, I don't know, like, 15 years or however long she's been teaching. If it had been set up
1: that the other teachers didn't like her already, or something like that, this would be far more believable. Yeah. But, but that's not... No, so.
0: ever, it's established as, like, a, a good, healthy work environment. Yeah. But then the principal, who, I mean, she is an atheist... So she's leering at Grace and seems so happy to be on the stand testifying against her. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. So they talk about um, you know, the school's named after Martin Luther King Jr. and he was a religious person and the principal's like, Well, we you know, like him more for his civil rights stuff and the lawyer's like, Well, you know, his civil rights stuff was influenced by Jesus and Okay, but that's not really the question of the
0: case. Right, yeah. And the so they they start with this diversity and tolerance thing, mm-hmm. which I mean is not the worst argument that they, that like because it just it's a, that's a good like street level argument like oh yeah. you say you're tolerant yeah well are you tolerant it's of it's this? it's a it's a Facebook comment argument yeah
1: exactly it's not a lawyer courtroom right. like making an argument right kind of uh, argument but
0: then as the the the, the, the court case proceeds the they I what's that's why this movie is a masterpiece because they bring in
1: yeah. Lee Strobel, yeah, so
0: like they they bring in a couple of ap- apologists to be uh yeah. on the witness side yeah. we, Le- we have to talk about why they do that though yeah. because
1: there's a, like they recognize that they're losing the case and um the teacher and the lawyer are like researching or something and the teacher is suddenly like wait a minute this isn't a question of religion at all. And it's like, it took you like three yeah, days into yeah, this court yeah. case to realize that this isn't it a is religious... Grace's it? idea. It's not even yeah. a lawyer's <laughs> idea.
0: We picked up on this within minutes
1: of the, the classroom scene. We were complaining, like, this isn't a religious question.
0: Like, he is a lawyer on par with the Arrested Development lawyer that Henry Winkler plays. <laughs> like, I can't remember what the guy... the Barry is. <laughs> yeah, he's just... He's just and so, like, I, because they're having dinner just talking about the case, and what does Grace say? Or she just brings it up, like, yeah, this way, yeah, she just, like, she has the epiphany <laughs> moment, and then the lawyer's like, oh, like, oh wow, like, I never thought of that. It's like, oh, so what are, you, what are you getting paid for?
1: <laughs> so. Once they realize what the case is actually about... Which,
0: what do they determine
1: it's actually about? Basically proving that Jesus is a historical figure because she was talking about history. Yeah. Which, yes, that's what the case was about. Yeah. So finally, after a long, drawn-out court case in which a bunch of irrelevant things are discussed, the lawyer decides to bring in these apologists who... Are going to talk about the evidence of Jesus Mm -hmm. existing. And this is where the movie sort of stops being a movie for a while and just becomes a series of TED Talks.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, Lee Strobel wrote A Case for Christ, A Case for Faith, and another, I think he wrote three really famous books. Basically making
1: arguments that there's a great deal of historical evidence for the existence. And death and crucifixion of Jesus and resurrection. I think he even makes arguments for that as well. Yeah, it? which um, and those like those books are good books. They're not like we're not making fun of the the fact that, that those these authors exist.
0: No, but the the way they're incorporated into the movie is really yeah. funny. It's and Lee Strobel is so happy to be in this movie. <laughs> it looks like he is on the witness stand like. Talking about the existence of Christ and, you know, the case for that. Yeah. Even,
1: you know, renowned atheists believe that the certainty of Jesus' existence is indisputable. Yes,
0: yeah. ear-to-ear smile. Mm. He's just so happy to be there. It's it a remi- very pure moment.
1: It reminded me of the comment you made a few episodes ago. I forget which episode it was on, about that scene from The Office with Creed where he's like, uh, great minds duking it out yeah, <laughs> like, right, yeah. that's what, <laughs> that was the, the uh the feeling i got from lee yeah, struggle here He's like i'm just happy to be here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so he talks about just the case for the, the historical basis for jesus and yeah. his importance to the whole trajectory of yeah. The, the history of the world.
1: And then they have the guy who wrote Cold Case Christianity, who was, I guess, a detective.
0: Yeah, and uses, um, what is the term for it? Forensic analysis? I
1: yeah, but some it. witness. Some, it's... Yeah, multiple, independent witness theory or something like that. Yeah. Basically, where... they're making an argument that the four Gospels, even though they have differences, are reliable. And in fact, that the differences in the Gospels are not proof that they're wrong but are actually greater evidence that they're true because yes. if you had four guys telling the exact same story they yeah. probably collaborated on it mm-hmm. whereas if you have four guys telling slightly different versions of the same story that's good evidence that they're actually recalling what ha- happened Yeah. which is not a bad argument um, but again it's just him sitting on the witness stand basically giving his presentation <laughs> that he would give if you were inviting him to a conference or something yeah. Uh so that was that was fun. And is there a third guy they have on the stand who gives a presentation or is it just those two? It's just those two. Yeah, so they make a really good like a strong argument for the historicity of Jesus, and then like it's a they have a good day, essentially. And um then Brooke, for some reason, gets involved with the court case, but I forget why she feels the need to do that. Something happens that makes the case turn around again, where they they feel like they're losing again. But I forget what it is. I can't, I can't remember either. But anyway, Brooke feels the need to testify. Mm-hmm. So she comes up to testify to support the teacher. On behalf of the defense... Her parents are the prosecution. Yeah, like. Brooke can't testify because she's a lawyer. Which is weird because yeah. the judge then decides
0: as... Oh, yeah, it was weird. Yeah, because she bursts into the courtroom and starts... She just starts, like, yeah. yelling her, her testimony, 35. basically. Yeah, and, <laughs> and the judge is just like, just like I'm going to allow this. I, <laughs> he says this several times. <laughs> yeah. It's like his, his catchphrase, I'll allow it. And the... <laughs> So... But she doesn't even get the consent of her parents, which I guess would... you have. I, I don't know. The judge is like, all right, yeah, that's fine. I think
1: originally her parents didn't want her to testify because they didn't want her to testify against her teacher. Yeah, because she has to
0: get into Stanford. Yeah. Right?
1: Right. And... Um, but she decides that she wants to anyway, and the judge, for whatever reason, decides that he's going to allow this. Then... So she testifies, basically, that the te- she's a good teacher, that the Brooke was the one who brought up Jesus to begin with in the class, but then, maybe this is where it turns around again. The evil atheist lawyer comes up to question her and basically gets her to admit oh, yeah. that the teacher brought up Jesus in the conversation they had.
0: At the coffee shop. The coffee
1: yeah, shop. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and that turns public opinion against the teacher again. Where it's like, oh, so you actually were trying to push your beliefs on this impressionable young girl. Um,
0: and another another uh, complication is David, the pastor on the jury, has appendicitis, so he has to be rushed to the hospital. And his replacement juror is this uh, lady with a lot of makeup and dyed hair. And,
1: like, weird lipstick that's multiple colors. Yeah.
0: So clearly... She's a bad guy. Yeah, she. Yeah, not would seem to not be a wholesome person because she wears a lot of makeup. Yeah, or that's what the movie's trying to. Well, sort of, because in the end they subvert yeah. that, which yeah. was cool. Uh,
1: good for them for doing that. But um, yeah, so the, she, David's replaced by this other juror, and. Uh, the evil atheist law Leland Palmer leans over to his like co-counsel and he's like, well it looks like God is dead after all because they just lost the only juror it was a short sure thing <laughs> which again God is dead is not the the issue at stake in this court case but he seems to think that it is
0: and they like this phrase, well, like, what the, the, we know why it's in the movie. But, it, what's so, int- What's so, like, it, the phrase is misused. Like, the whole basis of using that phrase, it, it's, because the whole, what that, the context of that phrase yeah. is just talking about how, like, mankind doesn't need religion anymore. Right. So but sorry. they, they it's just, I don't know, the whole basis of this movie is just taken entirely out of context. <laughs> It's absurd.
1: Well, I don't think it's a reference to... Who was it? Nietzsche said that. I don't think it's a reference to that anymore. It's a reference to the newsboys now.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Right.
1: Um, But yeah, so they lose that lawyer. And then... So the court's adjourned for the day. Grace is really, you know, upset. She's struggling because she feels like she's going to lose the case. The lawyer... Uh, Uncle Jesse, the good lawyer, doesn't really know what to do at this point. He thinks it's over. Uh, Grace is at home with her dad, I think he is. Yeah. Who I'm pretty sure was just somebody's grandpa who somehow got included in the movie. He was great. Um, But Brooke is really upset because she feels like she hurt the case now. So she gets... bunch of
0: a bunch of like students and people that are in support of grace's case to show a better door and sing how great that war right
1: which kind of causes grace to have a little bit of a, an emotional moment yeah and then um the lawyer comes in the next day and he's clearly has a plan he shows up a few minutes late he's dressed to the nines which some people comment on. Right, yeah. Uh, I think uh, Leland Palmer leans over and he's like, oh, he looks like a real lawyer today. <laughs> Something like that. Um, and he takes an interesting...
0: Oh, yeah, he calls... He calls grace, grace to, to the witness stand, yeah.
1: And then proceeds, like he says, uh, permission to treat the witnesses hostile, which I'm not sure, I don't know what that means. I know you say it in movies about
0: court cases but I don't know what it means. I'm- I feel like this whole movie's court case is a bad interpretation of how the U.S. legal system works in movies. <laughs> like, that's, that's what it is. Uh,
1: so... I'm assuming what that means is that... Um, so, like, you probably are supposed to treat your witnesses a certain way and the witnesses from the other side a certain way, and you're getting permission to act as though this witness is a witness for the other side. I'm assuming uh, that's what yeah, it means. Yeah, okay. But I don't know that. I'm, I'm not a lawyer. Nor I. I've never
0: even opened up a lawyer book, so...
1: I don't. Know. Uh, anyway, um, so he then proceeds to, like take this really strange line of questioning where he's being very, like, almost verbally abusive towards yeah. grace. It's really strange. Yeah. He's like, uh, so you told me that God talks to you. And what did he say? And um, she says that, like, during her conversion experience years before, that she, like, heard God say to her, uh, who do men say that I am or something like that? Ooh. Or who do you say that I am? And... Then she confesses that he is, you know, the Christ, the son of the living God, on the witness stand. And then he basically, like, sees she's crazy. And I think we should just... And then he goes on to this, like, soliloquy about how we should remove Christians from the public sphere. Pardon me. <laughs> from the public sphere completely. And basically making a, an absurd argument to show how absurd the court case is. Except that that's not what the court case has ever been about. Yeah. Court case has only ever been about has she violated separation of church and state by preaching her faith in class? And the answer is no. From the very beginning, she didn't. This court case is a sham.
0: From beginning to end. But they have no direction. Yeah. he or make, purpose.
1: <laughs> he makes this powerful emotional argument basically that if she's on trial today every other Christian in the world will be on trial tomorrow essentially is what his the basis of the argument is and this turns the jury again this is a very manipulable jury yeah (laughs) every day they're back and forth I know um but this turns the jury and then we finally receive the verdict which was delivered
0: it's like if this movie is a a bad interpretation like we don't know any I don't know anything about courtrooms except what I have seen in movies okay it, it, like the guy gives a like usually what do they say they come in and they say we find we find the defendant not guilty or yeah. guilty, something like that but he has this real
1: drawn out yeah, weird like, thing that he says we rule in favor of I think that's how he said it we rule in favor of grace what yeah the last name was
0: I can't remember uh but it's longer than that. It's like a, it, it was weird. It was this weird meandering thing that he said. Which I
1: I can only assume they did that to build dramatic tension. Uh, yeah, which didn't work. We knew who was gonna win. Yeah. Right. <laughs>
0: um, but and also before the verdict, there's a Newsboys concert. Oh yeah, yeah right. This you're, is this right. is so the Newsboys show up at the beginning of the movie. Uh, because they had led the liberal blogger to Christ at their con- their other concert. Yeah. And then the liberal blogger calls them because she's cancer-free, wants them to know. Yeah. And then the newsboys... D- they very... disappear for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Until this... And then they're at their concert. And just like in the first movie, the, the frontman of the newsboys... Um, Makes an announcement about... Uh, the case. Yeah, our, our friend Grace we need to, you know, pray for her and then um, then the verdict of the case is delivered. And then they start singing God's not dead. Yeah, and then they start singing God's not dead and then they leave the courtroom, they burst out and then Brooke is the one. Brooke yeah. comes out of the court steps, there's hundreds of people in support of her and she just throws up her hands and says, God's not dead! And everybody... <laughs> starts cheering and getting all rowdy, and then the Newsboys song starts playing, and that, like, so, okay, she goes out to a bunch of Christians and just yells this, you know, God's not dead. Like, that is literally, you could have condensed the movie into that three-second scene, scene, (laughs) and it would have done the exact same job. Oh, uh, that's funny. And then, at the end, just like in the first one, after the Newsboys concert fades out but the song still playing, and it says, text your friends, God's, God's not, not dead, dead. he surely true. isn't. Yeah, or... Is it but we were speculating dead. that maybe they were just <laughs> saying, text your friends. God's not dead, too. <laughs> <laughs> Which,
1: if it had said that, I may have actually done it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Which is not funny, that would have been... But you, you said you got a text about the first movie, but you never yeah, got a text never, about the second I, one. We sh- want to know if anybody received a God's Not Dead text after the second movie came yeah. out. Those are the real faithful ones. Those are the real faithful, yeah. yeah it's like the,
1: you know, the people who go to church only on Sunday morning, mm-hmm. and then there's the, the real faithful ones that go Sunday morning. Yeah. and
0: <laughs> The ones who texted after God's Not Dead 2 are the 144,000 <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that's pretty much the, the movie. Uh,
1: David gets appendicitis, but he survives. He's fine at the end. Mm-hmm. He's in the hospital yeah. recovering.
0: And we find out that the girl who was all like, had the, the, oh, the yeah. goth girl who joined the jury, yeah. she walks out and like gives a, a nod to yeah, Grace. Like a knowing smile. And as she walks out of the door, we see there's a cross tattooed on the back of her neck. Yeah. So she was a Christian the whole time. Yeah. And it,
1: uh, shame on you. For judging her by her outward appearance, which I did,
0: I'll So did nice. I, but, uh, but because movies like this, yeah, well they, they always they I mean we should be used to this by right now. They always like pull fast. It's it's all gotcha. Like, yeah. They subverted that
1: expectation. I'll give them that. Subverted a, subverted expectation. Yeah. Which was fine. So, what did you think of God's Not
0: Dead too? <sighs> I. What did you think about it? I didn't hate. Oh, yeah. It. Okay. Let's. We we, we have the, to qualify this. We've been watching a lot of bad movies. Yeah. The okay production quality. This movie had a budget. I'm not sure what it was, but. Mm-hmm. Mean, He's good The. Again, just like the first one, the subplots are much more compelling yep. than the the yep. main plot points. Like the whole, like, make a movie about Martin. Yeah. I don't understand why they're doing that. And then they don't even bring that Muslim girl back in, in the second movie. Yeah. And well, that, I mean,
1: I didn't even expect to get Martin in the second movie. So me like, either. I'm not, not going to fault them for not bringing. Yeah, that but other it's just these back.
0: these most compelling stories that are in these movies. They they kind of brush over. Yeah. And that's what you should be digging deep into. Instead, it's just this. Yeah. This Oscar. courtroom drama. <laughs> I would rename this movie 12 Angry Apostles. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so I didn't... All right. When I say I didn't
1: hate it, like, I'm not talking about my scale of movies in general. I'm talking about specifically these types of movies. So, it's a different scale. But I didn't hate this movie. Like, I hated... um, uh, Hangman's Curse. Oh, right. uh, Yeah. You know, I didn't... I didn't want to give up yeah. on life midway through this movie. Yeah.
0: And it does again, like the first one, sort of a pop culture yeah. piece. Like You have Lee Struble, you have the hard case Christianity guy, you have Duck Dynasty makes an appearance well, has a part in the movie, yeah. and the Newsboys.
1: Yeah. You've got a lot of those sorts of things.
0: Yeah. And for that, I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. But I... S- Again, they had all kinds of movies they could have written from the subplots, right. but they... Right. I don't know. Oh. Was God's Not Dead 2 better than God's Not Dead? Okay. I say yes. <sighs> See, I think that... I, it's, I You know, when we're talking about the blank outlines that the screenwriter had... Yeah. It's the same movie. I thought the first one was more interesting, though, because of the place that it... Like, it took place in a classroom. I just thought, like, the... I will say, if I was
1: judging it purely on the main plot, I would probably agree with you. Okay. Because Radisson's okay. a way better bad guy yes. than Leland Palmer. Yeah. Um, and the, like, the college classroom is way more interesting. But, if, I mean, both movies follow the same exact beats. You have this really evil atheist guy who's trying to prove that God's dead, sort of, in the second movie. Yeah. You have the person standing up for their faith. You have the side characters who are all sort of being on the the outside of this story happening, sort of their interaction with the with Christianity and with things happen. Like it's all it's the same exact story. But the side plots in this one were more interesting, yeah. more compelling. They were more real. More real. Yeah. There wasn't a significant side plot about two guys trying to go to Disney World. And failing to get there. Yeah. So if we were just judging it based on the main storyline, I agree with you. The first one's probably more interesting. But as a whole, I feel yeah. I like the second one more.
0: Yeah. Hopefully when we watch the third one... When we watch it? Yeah. I don't think that the third one's going to be good.
1: I think the third one might be the one where it fell off the rails. Maybe
0: they... I don't know. Maybe the third one they really refined their craft. I, we talked about this last night. I think
1: that... It's going to follow the Godfather model, where yeah. Godfather 1, great movie, Godfather 2, arguably better, yeah. I say yes that it is better than the first, I know some people disagree with me on that, then Godfather 3 just
0: off the rails, and I think that's what's going to happen with the Godfather yeah, cinematic universe. Yeah. Did the, you, you predicted at the beginning of the movie that Uncle Jesse would become a Christian? I don't think he did, yeah, yeah, I think so I was wrong well? on that one, so... Yeah. That's the first time in a while. you've ever made a <laughs> yeah. false prediction. And I was so surprised it didn't happen. Yeah.
1: he It definitely seemed like he was. Um, but hey, this movie subverted expectations. Yeah. I'll, really? give, it, I'll give it points for that. Uh, all right. So, our guiding questions. Was there any truth in this movie? Yeah. We need new guiding questions. <laughs> Yeah, we can uh, come up with some new ones. Was there any truth in this movie? Yeah, of course there were some. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even though it wasn't really a good filmmaking decision, all of the stuff that the guys testifying about, the historical Jesus and the reliability of the Gospels was all good information that was true. It didn't make for a good movie, but it was all truth stuff, so that was fine. Uh, I liked that with Amy and with Martin... And even with grace a little bit, they showed that, you know, just getting Jesus doesn't make your life perfect. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, they definitely improved upon that in this movie. Yeah, from the first one. It's kind of an important... um,
1: Did it handle its material well? I think we have to go with a big fat no on this one. No. Because
0: the court... It was... Yeah. (laughs) The court
1: case. (laughs) It was just a... It was a kangaroo court.
0: It was. It was. <laughs> oh, actually,
1: I want to talk about this. Like the it seems as though the message they were delivering to you about the legal system is that your ability to be represented well in court is solely based on what the jury already believes.
0: Yeah, right. Like there
1: was no weighing of the evidence. It was just okay. I've got more Christians on the jury than you do, so I'm gonna win. Yeah,
0: well, maybe I don't know. Maybe it does work that way. I, it was, yeah, yeah, it would
1: very well, met But it was a yeah, little... Like funny. we said, we are not lawyers. <laughs> Who would you recast? I okay,
0: we've got some. I okay, go ahead. Okay, the atheist lawyer. Mm-hmm. At first, I was like that lawyer from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Like, I don't know, it would just be funny, just that super deadpan. Mm -hmm. But then I was like, well, the, I don't know, the Christian lawyer reminds me of Ron Livingston a little bit. Yeah. I was like, he actually could have been a decent choice for it. But then I was like, uh, maybe Henry Winkler should have just been the Christian (laughs) lawyer because he was rather inept. Yeah. Uh, The the evil lawyer, I feel like Jack Nicholson. Yes. Would have been a great, would have been great in that role. And he can bring in You Can't Handle the Truth. Right, exactly. Yeah. exactly. It'd be perfect.
1: Uh, John Stamos as the Uncle Jesse. You know, I'm calling the lawyer Uncle Jesse. But, you know, you as imagine... the lawyer.
0: My mind would be blown if there was a movie where two opposing lawyers were played by Jack Nicholson and John Stamos. Because <laughs> like, like as far as like what they've been in, it's yeah. just totally separate universes. <laughs> it would
1: probably be amazing. Um, do you have any other recasting decisions here?
0: Um, I don't think so. The, the lawyers were the only... Yeah, they were the really interesting yeah. characters. The, the passer could have been played by Dax Shepard. Because that guy kind of looks like mm-hmm. him. Dax Shepard, he's in like, um... He's in Parenthood. He's in a bunch of stuff. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Have you ever seen Without a Paddle? No. Uh... I was gonna I say Owen Wilson again, just because. I, yeah. Okay. I, I really okay. like yeah. Owen Wilson as that. Right.
1: Yeah. Pendicitis,
0: yeah. Wow. wow. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I guess that's it. I know. Yeah. But movies like God's Not Dead, like, it's they're my favorite movies to think about who could be recast mm-hmm. because. The I, these movies, while they're not good whatsoever, they're like. I don't know, there's something about them I appreciate. Not as much as I do like Christian Mingle, because that is yeah, just <laughs> on a whole other level. I, that's easily, I think, my favorite of the ones we've done. Yeah, same here. But, I don't know. There's just something about it that, like, there's something almost fun about it in a way. Yeah. Because it's, yeah. it's so absurd.
1: And none of the characters are really playing characters. Mm. They're just playing, like... The actors showing up in the courtroom and doing these scenes. Like, it, there's not there's no characters here.
0: Right. Uh, it is a propaganda movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Is uh, Yeah, because the end is just God's not dead. Yeah. Oh. Um,
1: replace Lee Strobel, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> no, actually, Lee Strobel was great. But... He, he was so happy to be there. Yeah. Right. I wish I could have that kind of positivity. <laughs> did anything knock your socks off?
0: Um. Just the, I just did the the courtroom etiquette. Yeah. Like, like, I don't know any actual thing about it, but from what I've seen on TV. And that's what's so funny is these movies often just copy other thi- like originality in Christian film is. Like in change. its absurdity, it's original, but mm-hmm. the content itself they have to draw heavily. It's like those like uh, shirts with corporate logos that just say Jesus. Yeah. Like, come on. Like the uh, is the greases and Jesus.
1: The, the Target one where it's the easy button, it's the Jesus button. Yeah. <laughs>
0: right. Right. Um, but this, they couldn't even effectively do that. Yeah. Uh, it was. It, I felt like they were just trying to make a mockery of the whole legal system, and they didn't say Christians are persecuted, but it almost seemed like they were trying to like look at all the things stacked against us. Mm-hmm. But dude, in America, I, things things are heavy right now, yeah. maybe getting heavier.
1: But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think you could arguably make the case that uh, things in Western society in general are becoming more and more. Uh, if not anti-Christian, at least, uh, like, non-Christian. And so, yeah, totally there's, and there's this sort of opposition to what has come before. Because it was the, the reigning thing for so long, it's now, like, we feel like we have to tear it down. So, I think there's an argument that could be made for that. But, again, the movie doesn't really over-the-top. Yeah. So, um, I that's that. I think the thing that knocked my socks off in this movie, if if anything did, it was the fact that it took them like two thirds of the way through the case for them to realize what the case was actually about. And it wasn't even the lawyer who did it.
0: No. It's the teacher.
1: Yeah. So I think that's what mine would be.
0: Which, that could have been more interesting if they'd had her represent herself in the. In she the fires truck. the lawyer? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right. Would you recommend. This movie. Or, Absolutely, or watch it again.
0: I wouldn't watch it again, but I think I think people need to see this <laughs> because it, it's not it's not as important as the first one in terms right. of just like as a societal moment. Yeah, but yeah, you gotta see it because it you know it closes out some subplots and starts new ones and, it, <laughs> and even you're, the night did this too. We're like. <laughs> It, it like, ended subplots at the beginning of the movie, and then it, like... Yeah. I don't it's just kind of meandering, and they're just setting themselves up for sequel after sequel. I don't know. If, I, I thought I heard a rumor they are making a fourth one, too. I don't know if that's true yeah. or not, but... Oh, uh-huh. it's, it's like, it's... It could be endless. Like, you could be... Maybe in 20 years, there'll be that actor who made a career out of being in God's Not Dead movies. <laughs>
1: The, again it'll be the uh, the god's not dead cinematic universe right yeah. like 20 years from now everybody'll be so excited about god's not dead end game
0: <laughs> how could we have worked how could they've worked Alex Kendrick into this movie i mean he could
1: have played the lawyer that's
0: true yeah uh,
1: yeah i think i feel like that's the only or the pastor yeah yeah, yeah. i i like Owen Wilson too much yeah that's he, true i like him in this movie in in these movies um, and I think he's actually a pastor. David White is his name. Oh, really? Like, yeah, the guy playing oh, okay. the pastor. Um, so, yeah, I'm not going to watch it again. Uh, I would probably. Like, I mean, again, we're talking two different scales here about recommending. As far as Christian movies go, it's not going to make you hate your life if you watch it, it's not terrible the directing the acting the cinematography is all fine so you know that's good actually they're, the only actor who's not very good and it's like clear that he's not an actor is David the pastor yeah like every time he react and it's actually very Owen Wilson-esque yeah or like someone calls him up and they're like uh, or the Martin's like I'm gonna become a pastor and he's just like wow yeah right. <laughs>
0: Okay. Yeah, but his line in the movie is "That's awesome, man." Yeah, is, <laughs> you, it, he delivers it exactly yeah. like you just did. Like,
1: there's no real uh, emotion or anything. So oh, he's probably it. on painkillers, though. So that explains oh, explain
0: the, the low key enthusiasm. Yeah.
1: All right. So that's God's Not Dead Two. How would you rate this
0: movie? <sighs> Two shoeshine rags. <laughs> Two shoeshine rags. Yeah. What about you?
1: I would rate this movie, I'm going to give it three Salvation Army boxes. Three? Three. Wow. I don't remember wow. what I rated God's Not Dead. If I rated it higher than that, I need to change my rate. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. arbitrary.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yep. So that's, uh, that's, that's God's of, Not Dead too. Yeah.
1: It was again didn't didn't make me want to you know jump off of a cliff while watching. I'm
0: happy it. for these movies because they have provided consistent content for us. Yes. Like it's and we. Don't, I mean, some of these movies we've watched. It's just been absolute drudgery. Yes. This. I mean, at least it's not the Omega Code. Yeah. It's not the Omega Code. It's not
1: Hangman's Curse.
0: Yeah. Which, Hangman's Curse? I don't know. I think we feel differently about that <laughs> yeah, movie because exactly. I, I hated it, <laughs> but I, I like it because of how hateable it is. know, like uh, oh, but that's we already did that movie. Yeah. All right. So um, I guess the big question for this episode
1: is if you ever um, received the God's Not
0: Dead two text. Yeah. And uh if you have any questions or comments about the movie or would like to recommend movies for us, then you can reach out to us on Instagram at BetterDayPodcast or you can email us at BetterDayPodcast at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at BetterDayCast. We uh, have our episodes on SoundCloud and iTunes. So follow us. Leave us a review. Throw us a bone, man. And as always, thank you for listening. We're Forever grateful to the fan and all of the things that you do for the podcast. Anything else, Ben? No, I think that's it. Thanks for listening.